All right, Philemon, what an amazing book uh, this study has been. Such a, a big doctrine that we have coming from such a little book. Onesimus was a man in bondage. He was a slave who had run away from his master Philemon. And Paul, while a prisoner in Rome, he wrote to Philemon in verses 10 through 12 last week is where we were about his runaway slave, telling him in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. And the sound is perfect, Brother Rick, for me. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Did you do anything with these monitors? Wow, I mean, it's just perfect. I, I don't have to strain. I don't have to anything. It's perfect. I moved that one on the left closer to you. Sir? I moved that one on the left closer to you. Well, thank you so much. Whatever you did, thank you. That's about all. So he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, my own bowels. Boy, what a time. I enjoyed teaching this last Wednesday. The key words were begotten, unprofitable, and sent him again. Back to you, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean that, that was it. He, he had a new birth. He once was an unprofitable servant. Now he's profitable and now he's sent back to his master. What Paul said in those three verses about Onesimus is a picture of what the Bible says about those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. Onesimus was begotten in Paul's bonds. Through his new birth, Onesimus was once an unprofitable servant. And now he had become profitable. And Onesimus was now returned back to his master. And accepted by his master as if he was Paul himself. Paul's own vows. As Moses was a picture of Christ liberating the Jews from their bondage to sin. So Paul was a picture of Christ liberating Gentiles from their bondage to sin. For Christ, like Paul, gave birth to us while in bondage under the law. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 4. He said, for when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. To redeem them who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And we, like Onesimus, were once unprofitable servants. And as Onesimus was returned back to his master as if he was Paul, so we have been now returned back to our master as if we were Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1, 6 through 7, Paul said we are, quote, accepted, that is accepted by God, in the beloved. That's Jesus. In whom, Paul said, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Like the unprofitable servants who rejected God, their master, who Jesus said one day will be cast into the lake of fire on judgment day. Onesimus was once unprofitable to his master Philemon, but having been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, he was now profitable 
both to Philemon and to God. His mind had changed about his relationship to Philemon and about his relationship to God. So Paul told Philemon that Onesimus was someone, look in verse 13 now, whom I would have retained with me. So that brings us into our new passage tonight. Whom I would have retained with me. Onesimus had been a tremendous blessing, a tremendous help to the apostle Paul. And, and Paul hated to let Onesimus go. By the way, that's the kind of Christian we need to be wherever we go. How many of y'all have ever uh, owned a small business or something before? And and uh, you had uh, you had employees that you really didn't mind seeing go too much? And you had some other employees think, man, I hate to see them go. Or yeah, I wish I had ten more just like them, you know. I said that about Billy a little while back. I told Tammy, I said, I wish I had ten more just like them. But uh, we need to be like Onesimus. We need to be the type of Christians that other Christians hate to see go. We should love every single church member. But I, there, there are some church members in every church. Every church. They could just evaporate into the thin air. They could just disappear off their planet. And their disappearance would have zero impact on the church's ministry. Nobody would even notice. Other than say, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? Other than that, nobody would notice. I mean, they contribute nothing to the church and they do nothing for the church. Nothing. So if they leave the church, they may leave an empty space in the pew, but they leave no empty spot in the ministry itself. So Brother Richard being cruel. No, I'm telling you the truth. That's just the way some things are. I'm not trying to be cruel at all. But we have to address this. That's not the kind of Christian that we should be, that I want to be. Onesimus was a man who found ways to, to be helpful. He found ways to be beneficial to Paul's ministry. So much so that Paul didn't want him to go. And that's the, the way we need to be to our fellow church members. Man, anybody here, if suddenly they left, they, they passed away or whatever... Other than the normal grief you would have for somebody, it should leave a hole, a gaping hole in the ministry itself. I thank God for people in the church who see areas of need. And then once they see those areas of need, they, they just begin to fill them in. They see them, they say, hey, uh, th- th- there's something I can do right there that can help out. There's something I can do. I see a need I thank God. Uh, who brought you up here tonight, Brother Neil? Alice. Alice. She sees a need. She feels the need. Everybody has that spot just in different areas if they will take it upon themselves. Other people, they're more like, oh, I don't want to be responsible for anything. And that's too bad. But I thank God for people like that who see those areas of need. They begin to, to meet those areas of need. That's a, that's a gift. That's a treasure to the church. It's a treasure to the, the other members in the church, like Brother Neil tonight, who's able to come and be here on account of somebody else saying, I'm going to meet a need. I see Brother Rick putting tape here on the floor. Some people have been asking me, what's that blue tape there? And... uh 
Now, if you ever see it in the shape of a, an outline of a body or something, that's, that's different. That's not Rick. But, but this right here, you know, I, I, I didn't ask him to do that. He just found a way to, hey, instead of Brother Richard going off camera view, how about I put a piece of tape where he'll know if he goes beyond that, he'll go off camera view. I, I appreciate, I thank God for things like that. I see uh, Sister Elizabeth back there making sermon notes to, uh, little sermon note sheets to help children listen and, you know, pay attention better during church. And, and I thank God for that. Be an Onesimus. Don't be a Christian who reports problems. Be a Christian who provides solutions. Now here's where it gets even richer. Paul told Philemon that he said, I would have retained him. I would have retained Onesimus with me. Listen now, look in your text. That in thy stead, underscore those three words, in thy stead, he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. When you see those three words, in thy stead, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Huh? Yeah, think of the substitutionary work of Christ. I can't, I can't tell whatever one else was said, but I heard Brother Shepherd's word. How did Jesus die? In our stead. He died in thy stead. This is the same meatiness here. I, I hope you realize the enormity of this doctrine. He said, I would have retained him with me. Why? So that in thy stead, Philemon, he might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. Just as Jesus lived and died in our stead, so we may serve Christ in another person's stead. Are you getting that? That's some deep doctrine there. We can actually labor for Christ on another person's behalf and them get credit for it. Just as Jesus labored and died and rose again on another person's behalf. And they got credit for it. You see Onesimus was Philemon's servant. And that means Philemon could have assigned his servant Onesimus to Paul's service. Right? I mean he could dispatch him to do whatever he wanted to do. Clean the horse stalls. Work in the fields. Go serve the apostle Paul. Whatever. It was all Philemon's business, whatever he dispatched Onesimus to. And being Philemon's servant, he would have been serving Paul and thus serving Christ in Philemon's place unto Philemon's credit, which would have resulted in Philemon's reward. When my dad was a little younger, he used to uh, come out here to the church and he would uh, help um, cut the, the grass here at the church. And it's a, it's a big job for, uh, uh, for any man, but for a senior especially. And so a lot of times he would bring out here a hired hand. The, a man that uh, comes out there and he helps him around the house and does things for him. Well, he would take him and he'd be paying this man to come out here and help him take care of the church grounds. And uh, 
when that hired hand cut the grass, the hired hand was working, but my dad's money was working because he was getting paid for it. So the hired hand's work was whose work? It was my dad's work. The portion of the lawn that my dad didn't do, his servant did in his stead. It's the same principle with Onesimus here that Paul was talking about. And you can apply this biblical principle of service to anything that belongs to you. That you can offer to God's service. I don't happen to have a manservant like my dad. We're not, we can't all be like him. But we do all have something that we can surrender and offer to God's service. For example, if you give money to pay a printer to print gospel booklets, who's printing those booklets? The printer is. But how's he printing them? If you're paying for it, he's printing them in your stead. You printed those gospel booklets. If you donate land, used to, that was a thing, you know, back in the day. Land was a whole lot easier to come by, but people who were wealthy landowners a lot of times, and perhaps some that were not quite so wealthy landowners, it was very common for them to to donate land for a church building to be built on. And guess what? Every time someone met from that day forward, once that building was erected and people would come in and gather and worship and the gospel would be preached, that land was working. How? In the donor's stead. It's a beautiful, powerful principle. Whatever God has put in your hand that you return back to God's hand for his service becomes service to God in your stead. Whatever God has put in your hand, that you return back to God's hand for his service, becomes a service to God in your stead. The only catch is that you'll have to give it with a willing heart. That's it. So Paul said, I would have retained Onesimus here with me. I would have let him serve me uh, in your stead and to your credit for Laman, verse 14. But without thy mind, would I do nothing? I wouldn't do anything without your mind. Onesimus could have never served in Philemon's place without Philemon's mind willingly consenting to that act, right? What if my dad told his manservant, what if he said, go out there and cut the grass in my front yard and when you get through, fix me a glass of tea. Now, his manservant doesn't do that, but I'm, I'm ad-libbing a little bit. What if he told him to do that? And my dad said, I'm going to take a nap while you're out cutting the grass. So my dad goes, he turns the gun smoke on and he goes to sleep. Meanwhile, instead of cutting my dad's lawn, the manservant sneaks off to Maybank and cuts the church grass. Now, he's on my dad's dollar. But would my dad get credit for that? No. Why? Because he wasn't consenting to the act. It wasn't, an, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't his mind for that to happen. It wasn't something he willfully put back into God's hand. It's something that slipped out of his hand for the moment. 
So you can give all you have to God. But if you give it grudgingly to God. Then you've given, you've, you've given nothing of yourself to God. Your hand may have supplied service to God outwardly. But your heart denied service to God inwardly. And that's what counts. So Paul said without your mind I wouldn't have done anything. In 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 9 verse 7. Paul told us how we're supposed to give to the Lord. He said, quote, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God, when he looks at someone, they say, hey, this is something God put in my hand. Let me put this to work for the Lord. And whatever it is, they put it into God's hand for God's service. And and they get excited about it. The man wonder what God's going to do with this. That's a cheerful giver. Someone purposing in their heart. I want to, I want to, I want to have an effect on the kingdom. That's the purpose of their heart. So they give to God. Christian, if you, if you don't want to give to God's service, don't give. Never had preachers say, don't give before. But here, I'm telling you, you don't want to give to God's service, don't give. It's going to get on without you. If you don't want in on the bountiful, eternal reward of serving Christ, then just keep what you have to yourself. Someone else will get the blessing. I put on, I've been putting on Facebook whenever... We have the opportunity, someone wants booklets and we're going to ship them someplace or books or whatever. A lot of times I put on Facebook and have been doing so consistently for, I don't know, a little while now. uh, And say, hey, uh, whoever wants to do this, some people want so many books. Or if you want to donate to this uh, to, to supply so many booklets to the Philippines or to Nigeria or wherever we're sending them to, then if you want to get in on it. And here's how you can donate. And I stop. And we have yet to not have everybody get in on it and it be completely paid for. We're not making money off of it. But you know why I started doing that? Because I thought, man, this is an incredible opportunity for somebody who teaches school, for somebody who is working behind a desk in Maybank, for somebody who is sitting at a courthouse. Whatever. Who may have never even left the state of Texas before. Never even left the United States before. This is an opportunity for them. To let their money work in their stead. And get in on other people coming to faith in Christ around the world. Why would I want to keep that back from everybody? That's the way I think about it. It's exciting to me. And if I saw something like that on Facebook. I think man I want in on that. There's a guy at work today trying to tell me about a stock, hot stock tip. It's supposed to be the South Korean version of Google. Just starting up. You all know what it is? No, I'm kidding. But he was telling me about this hot, hot stock tip. And, and uh, you know, he heard about it. And he thought, I want in on that. Man, listen, I'm going to give you the best tip of all. You get in on the kingdom stock, and you're going to have an eternal return. It it will not return void, ever. 
It's exciting, and, and God wants to see other people have that kind of, you mean Onesimus is there with the Apostle Paul, and he can serve in my stead? You mean that I can be here at the house, and Onesimus can be there in Rome, and suddenly I get credit for serving in one of the Apostles' ministries? I want in on that. You stay right there, boy. Don't you go anywhere. Listen, God doesn't want to have to twist your arm to take part in the gospel ministry. And you'll get no credit for giving if that's what it takes for you to give. I'll never twist anybody's arm. I'm not going to put a pity party on, on somebody. Nah. Paul is saying, I didn't want your servant Onesimus to remain in Rome helping me without your consent, Philemon. So I'm sending him back to you. Look back in your text. That thy benefit, in other words, that, that the benefit you could have shown me should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. There, there were two ways that Philemon could have lent Onesimus to the ministry. He could have either lent him out of necessity or he could have lent him willingly. He could have lent him because Paul imposed on Philemon and, and Philemon felt obligated, maybe a little awkward if he said no. Or he could have done so because he saw Paul's need as a great opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom of God. He could have done so thinking, man, what an incredible opportunity God has given me to have a small part in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Or he could have done so merely because he felt others expected it out of him. This was the kind of attitude a certain married couple had in the book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira. When others were selling personal goods and giving to the church, you know what they were doing? They were selling the, what, something God had put in their hand. They were selling it, turn, turning it into, into cash, and then they were putting it back into God's hand to be used in their stead. And Ananias and Sapphira thought, you know what, let's sell some land and let's give some money too. But they were doing it out of necessity. They, they, they were only doing it so they could look good to the other church members, but their heart had no interest in helping people. Their donation was for show. So they sold the land and they pretended to donate the entire amount of money to the church. But the truth was they actually skimmed some off the top for themselves and they lied to the church and thus they lied to God about how much they sold the land for. Because they wanted to look good. They didn't want to say, oh, well, you know, we, 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 kept, we kept little for ourselves. Here's the rest. That would have been okay. They stood in and they said, hey, here's... We sold the land for this much, and here it is. Acts 5, 1 through 4 says, A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy. In other words, she knew about it. She was in on it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But he says, But Peter, excuse me just a moment, but Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now listen closely to what Peter told Ananias about the money he gave. Listen closely. 
In verse 4, Peter said, Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? In other words, while you still had the land, wasn't that land yours? He said, was it not thine own? He said, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Otherwise, while you had the land, wasn't the land yours? And after you sold the land and you got the money, was not the money in your own power? Couldn't you have done whatever you wanted to do with it? What do we deduct from that? God recognizes personal property rights. It is immoral for a government to steal a man's property that he worked for in the name of sharing what's rightfully his with someone else. It's immoral. This shows it. Paul, Peter said, didn't you have power over this? Wasn't it yours to do what you wanted to with? It is also wrong for any religious leader to demand Christians to surrender something they worked for and to give to them. It's immoral. Giving must be done willingly. When God gives you something, he gives you legal Ownership. Ownership. Peter said, was it not thine own? Isn't that something? When God gives you something, he gives you legal ownership. Therefore, when God gives you something, he gives you the power to do what you want with what he gave you. That's why he said, wasn't it in your power? See, if God didn't actually give it to you, then you would never have the privilege of actually giving something back to him for his service. What a wonderful privilege. He gave you ownership. He gave you authority. While it's yours, it's in the power of your hand. Do with it what you want to. That's what Peter said. If that's what Peter said, that's what God said. Do with it what you want to. And then when you know that you're free to do with it whatever you want to do with it. Then you have the privilege of putting what God put in your hand. Putting it back into God's hand to be used for his service in your stead. That's exciting. Now lastly. Let's see another great truth in this passage of Scripture. Paul encouraged Philemon in regards to him temporarily losing Onesimus. Onesimus ran away. So the time that he was out with the Apostle Paul and running around and maybe got in trouble, got thrown to prison with Paul or however they met up, that was time that he was not helping Philemon. So it was a loss, a financial loss. It was an inconvenience, if, any, if nothing else. So Paul said to Philemon, look at, Paul, uh, look at Paul's reasoning here in verse 15. He said, for perhaps he, that is perhaps Onesimus, therefore departed for a season. Underscore for a season. Departed for a season. That thou shouldest receive him forever. Underscore forever. Perhaps he departed for a season. 
that you should receive him forever. Paul's saying, look, Philemon, perhaps Onesimus leaving you temporarily was God's way of giving him back to you eternally. In verse 15, underscore the word season. If it's already underscored, circle that word season. It's important. After you do something to emphasize the word season there in that passage, then go down and emphasize that word forever. Whether you circle or underscore or start or whatever you do. Season and forever. Sometimes we may experience seasonal loss. That we may experience eternal gain. Wow. Sometimes it is in the divine plan of God. For you to experience seasonal loss. That you may ultimately experience eternal gain. If that's all we learn from this tonight. We could close the Bibles. Go home and chew on that for a while. And tuck it away in our hearts. And then the next time we experience seasonal loss. Pull it out like an old piece of chewing gum and chew on it. You see, we may go through a bad season in our lives. This was a negative, this was a, this was a loss for Philemon. This was a seasonal loss. And we may go through a bad season in our lives in which we experience some type of loss, whatever it is. But God can take that temporary loss and convert it and send it back to you. As an eternal gain. That's how Onesimus was coming back. Onesimus leaves. He meets up with Paul. His thinking gets right on the gospel. He becomes converted. And now through the transforming power of the gospel. That temporary loss is sent back. To the loser. As eternal gain. Do you see what Paul was doing here? Paul was trying to get Philemon to see the providence of God in the problems of man. You see what he's doing? He, he, Paul did not say, Philemon, this is what happened. He didn't say, Onesimus came here and then this happened here and this was God's way. He didn't say perhaps. He, he said perhaps this is what happened. We don't always know. Why do we? That the first thing we try to do is figure out why did this happen? Because we, if we can make sense out of it, it makes us feel better about it. That's not always the healthiest way of doing it. But here is the healthiest way of doing it. The healthy way of doing it is try to see the providence of God in the problems of man. You may not always understand God's ultimate goal in what you went through. He didn't want, though, he didn't want Philemon to look at the loss of his servant and think, man, I can't seem to catch a break. Last week, the, you know, the, the barn burned down and now Onesimus is gone. Man, I can't catch a break. My servant left me. I'm working double time to get things done around the house. I've got all the bad luck in the world. Paul didn't want Philemon to think that way about what took place. So instead, Paul recalibrated Philemon's thinking, as we all should. 
during a time of seasonal loss. Paul wanted Philemon to understand that problematic seasons can have providential reasons. Problematic seasons can have providential reasons. When you go through a bad season of life, it could be that God is going to use that season to bless you extraordinarily. To open up doors you never had opened before. For you to serve Him like you've never served Him before. And so tonight we can leave with this knowledge, with this nugget of truth from this little book. Another big nugget of truth. Problematic seasons can have providential reasons. So the next time you suffer seasonal loss... Remember, it's only for a season. And you pray. You turn that loss over to God. And perhaps the loss will come back to you forever. Maybe not in the same form. Onesimus was a new man when he came back. Maybe the loss you had will never come back in the same form. You turn it over to God, and that seasonal loss can come back as an eternal reward. Let's go ahead and stand, and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Boy, isn't it somehow the the Scriptures just, they just take all the junk out of your mind and just toss it and then clean it back up again and... Get it all back into shape. Pack wisdom in it and kick you out and let you go back for a few more days before Sunday. I feel sorry for people who sit at the house and watch some rerun or something and they don't, they don't get 